my name is Matthew Wayne Selznick, and this is Sonatotem, where we talk about making stuff, finding success as we define it, and building a healthy and sane creative writing life. Episode 34. Hello, my friends. Today is uh, Saturday, May 8th, 2021. Coming to you from the lush and lavish studios of MWS Media in Southern California. Actually in studio this time around. Not in the car, not in a park. Recording on the microphone, into the software, on the computer. Just like old times. (laughs) So it's been a little while. Blah, 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 blah. We'll get that out of the way. Here's what's new. I have started writing the manuscript draft of Shadow of the Outsider, my one, two, three, fourth novel, to hopefully be done eh, maybe in July and published by the end of the year. This is my fourth novel and my second in the Shaper's World cycle. The uh, first novel in the Shaper's World cycle, of course, was last year's Light of the Outsider. And then uh, just about a month ago or so, I released the novel at The Perfumed Air at Kwanantag Bay. So Shadow of the Outsider will technically be the third work in the Shaper's World cycle, the second novel. That's been the focus of my creative endeavors, getting Shadow of the Outsider off the ground. I have put off doing a new episode of Sonatotem, because I wanted to have something that I had I had just done come to a conclusion. And that's going to be the subject of the episode. It's uh, a community survey that I did. Now, this is going to be a nuts and bolts, facts and figures kind of episode. I'm going to be sharing with you what I've taken away from this survey that I asked my mailing list community to participate in. And we are going to get deep. I'm going to share with you as much as I can about this. And uh, there's going to be mouse clicking and keyboard typing and all that kind of background noise. So it had been about seven years since I had done any kind of survey of the people who uh, follow my creative endeavors. And that means basically the people on my mailing list of friends and fans. Seven years is way too long. And I have noticed, especially since I started working on Shaper's World material, that it's possible that my community isn't necessarily, you know, really aligned with what I'm actually doing. You know, I love these folks. Some of them have been with me uh, for a decade, but I'm not sure that I'm reaching the right people. Not that they're the wrong people, but I don't think I'm focusing. I had a suspicion, let's put it that way. I had a suspicion that the people I was promoting to are not necessarily the people I need to be promoting to. That indeed, there could be other folks out there in the world that I'm not reaching yet. So I did this survey. Basically, I wanted to find out who 
my community members were, what their reading habits were like, you know, what they like to read, what devices or formats they like to read in, how often they write Amazon reviews, whether or not they pay attention to advertising. And I wanted to find out of my creative works what they had purchased and read and reviewed and liked and what they wanted to see more of. Yeah. So it was eye-opening. And we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about all the results that, that I think matter. And the reason that, that I hope you'll find this interesting is, is because it's, uh, I mean, it's a little bit of inside baseball, but this is a snapshot of my most dedicated, quote, fans, unquote, the most dedicated members of the community. These are the people who bothered <laughs> to, to, you know, who took the time to actually do the survey. So they're already invested, right? And I'm grateful to them for that. Now, I did sweeten the pot a little bit. I'm going to pick at random one of the survey respondents, and they're going to get a $100 Amazon gift card. But, uh, you know, I, I probably didn't even need to do that, to be honest with you. I feel like the people who responded, by and large, would have responded anyway if I just asked them. But I want to give something back to these, these folks. They've, they've been very, very good to me, as Garrett Morris's uh, baseball player character used to say on Saturday Night Live. Oops. Sorry about that. Yeah, this episode is going to be a little background noisy because I'm doing things on the computer while I'm talking to you. So I apologize for clicks and clacks and whatnot. So here's the breakdown. All right. The survey initially went out to 236 people on my mailing list. I have a very small mailing list, and that's, as we'll see, uh, I think that's one of the things that, that I need to address. So 236 people received the email talking about the survey, right? And of those 236 people, 78% of those, 184, opened the email. 34 people, 14%, clicked through. They used the link in the email to actually go to the survey on my website. And of those 34 people, 22 <laughs> actually took the survey. So 9%, just not even 10% of the people in the community took the survey. Oh, and by the way, during the course of, of these emails going out, three people unsubscribed from the uh, community. So 1% of the, the community left. We don't want to answer your questions. <laughs> All right. So what did I find out about those 22 people who represent, again, who have sort of self-selected themselves as the most responsive and committed of my friends and fans on my mailing list? So what do we find out about them? Well, 31%, almost 32% are between the ages of 51 and 55. I'm 53. So these are really, quite literally, my peers. The next largest percentage at 18% were people between the ages of 46 and 50. 
So Rivora, almost half of the audience is between 46 and 55. So right around my age. And, you know, if you broaden it out even further, um, 50, 60, about about 65 percent are between 40 and 55. So my audience is not especially young. They're all literally middle aged. (laughs) All right. So, again, of the 22 people who took the survey of the 9% of my entire community, the great majority, better than half, are middle-aged. 72%, almost 73%, identify as male, with just 27% identifying as female. 90, almost 91% are native English speakers. There were just uh, basically two people uh, in that 22 people who their native languages are German and Polish, respectively. When asked, what do you mostly read? 68% mostly read fiction. Uh, About 27% responded that they like an even mix of fiction and nonfiction. So, all right. So we have middle-aged, mostly male, English-speaking fiction readers. That tracks, right? Okay. Now, what genre of fiction do these fiction readers like to read? So, of the people who responded that they like fiction, 81, almost 82%, even higher, closer to 90%, if you include speculative fiction, science fiction and speculative fiction, 90% of the community members who responded to the survey. And, you know, they can pick as many genres as they like. So, 54% fantasy as well. So, okay, we're we're pretty on track for the people who are in my community like the kind of stuff that I write. You know, my sovereign era books and short stories and whatnot are basically science fiction, speculative fiction, and the Shaper's World stuff is fantasy. So, that works out pretty well. Interestingly, and I'll, I'll explain why I'll I'll swing back around to why I find this interesting. So about 13%, almost 14% like thrillers. So 54% like fantasy and 14, 13% like thrillers. Light of the Outsider is a fantasy thriller. So that there should be good sort of uh crossover there. So I asked if there are always buy authors among my community of friends and fans. People that, no matter what they come out with, these people buy books from those authors. And I've got a long list, <laughs> a long list of, of authors that uh, people wrote down. And interestingly, though, and perhaps not surprisingly, of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about of the of the nine authors that had more than one person uh, select them, one, two, three, four of those people are kind of indie authors who it's safe to say got their start or continue to operate in the podcast fiction genre. Basically, people who have released their fiction as free podcasts. And this tells me something that 
Of the percentage of my mailing list that decided to participate in this survey, these are people who've probably been around since I released Brave Men Run, my first novel, as a free podcast way the hell back in 2005. These are legacy friends and fans. Okay. Uh, And for shits and giggles, here are the authors that were most commonly listed as always bought. Every time they release something, folks buy these authors. Seven of the 22 people said they will always buy something by Scott Sigler. Now, Scott Sigler is the author of Earthcore and Ancestor and uh, a number of other sort of science fiction horror type stuff. Now, Scott is extremely prolific, and he has maintained his dedication to the podcast model, releasing podcasts, I think, every week and releasing his fiction through podcast almost uh, every single time. So, you know, he's kept at it. He's done what, you know, perhaps I should have been doing uh, and what very few other independent authors will actually, I don't think, I think Scott still has a, a traditional publishing deal. So let's just say what very few authors who started in the podcast novel arena continue to do. He is releasing his fiction as free podcasts relentlessly. So seven out of 22, you know, that's, that's, that's a lot of the people who, who claim to be my friends and fans are also big fans of Scott Sigler's. Seven people. Four people listed me. So that's interesting, right? That's what, 18 people for whom I am not an always buy author. That says something to me right there, you know? It hints that perhaps, again, as I mentioned earlier, that what I do is not necessarily in line with what my community actually wants. Um, The next in line was Chuck Wendig, who is a traditionally published science fiction and horror and thriller and movie tie-in author. Three people listed him as an author that they always buy. Nathan Lowell, also three people. Um, listed him as an author that they always buy. Nathan and I go way back. We're not thick as thieves or anything, but he was part of that early wave of uh, podcast novelists, and he's had great success. He's also a very, very fast, very prolific writer with dozens of full-length novels out there on the market. Paul E. Cooley, one of the hosts of the Dead Robots Society podcast, very long-running science fiction, fantasy, speculative fiction, independent author, self-publishing sort of mishmash podcast that's been running, I'm going to say 15 years. Paul writes dark alt-history science fiction and fantasy horror type stuff. So three of the 22 people who responded to the survey will always buy Paul E. Cooley. And then kind of a grab bag for two each. We have Chuck Palahunik. Is that how you pronounce his last name? You know, the Fight Club guy. David Sedaris. And the fantasy author Patrick Rothfuss. Got two each. That's interesting, right? The most dedicated of my friends and fans, 22 people, only four of them 
are committed to buying everything that I always put out. In the words of Kevin Kelly, only four of them are true fans. And uh, let me be perfectly clear, I'm, I'm not by, by any means sort of implying that those other folks are not true fans. Kevin Kelly, I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes to his essay, 1,000 True Fans. Basically, the great Kevin Kelly has defined the true fan as someone who will buy every single thing that you release. That every time you say, here, I made a thing, they open their wallet. And the idea is, you know, if you have a thousand of those people, you can make a good living as a creator. I've got four. (laughs) So, and again, you know, I realize that's not a perfect statistic. You know, it's entirely possible that the 200, uh, give or take, 210 people who did not respond to the survey, there could be some true fans in there. But that number needs to be much, 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 much higher. So that was very interesting to discover. So moving on, the preferred medium to consume fiction. 40% of those 22 people prefer audiobook. Now, my audiobook sales don't reflect that. But then again, 40%, 41% almost, is nine people out of 22. And again, only four out of 22 will always buy my stuff. So does this say that I should always be releasing audiobook? Well, not necessarily. All it says is 40% of the people who responded prefer audiobook. And next up, of course, is uh, not surprisingly, ebook at 32%, and then paperback and hardcover. So a lot of audiobook readers, listeners, and uh, I'm going to continue. I'm I'm in the middle of of recording the audiobook for the perfumed air at Kwan and Tag Bay. Um, I'll probably actually finish it today uh, after I'm done with this podcast. But I'm not seeing my audiobook sales reflect this as much as it can be something that's that can be correlated. Um, I know it's imperfect. I don't really, I'm not a statistics expert by any means, but I understand enough that I can only draw so many conclusions from this with so much confidence. 88, almost 89% of the people who prefer ebooks read their ebooks on a Kindle app. If you add Kindle devices, it's pretty much everybody. Everybody who reads ebooks uses either a Kindle app or a Kindle device um, with just a handful, five people uh, selecting as well as Kindle, some other kind of non-Kindle device or app. So yeah, I mean, you know, Kindle, the Amazon ecosystem is the most convenient one. So There we go. Not a surprise there. Now, here is the big statistic that when I look at some of the other things that people responded, how they responded, this is a very telling bit of data. So I asked, when you finish reading an ebook or any book, how often do you write an Amazon review? 36% of the people surveyed responded rarely. 
31% responded never. Literally one, two people out of 22, 9% wrote that they either always or often write a review. So again, if you kind of extrapolate that out, that means that very, very, very few of the people who are in my community of friends and fans, if they actually buy something that I've written, very, very few of them are going to be uh, are going to write a review. Now, I got some interesting comments about the review question. And some people said they didn't want to write a review on Amazon because they have a connection to me and they didn't want that to, uh, to Amazon to ding them. Uh, or have the review be deleted, or somehow put their Amazon account or my Amazon account as the author in jeopardy because there's some perceived connection between them and I, and it could look uh, improprietous if I could I could uh, use that word. Well, here's the thing, folks. Um, Amazon doesn't like people to pay for reviews. Amazon doesn't like it when people trade services or promises for reviews. Amazon doesn't like it when, you know, your <laughs> people who are directly related to the book or the author write reviews. Spouses, brothers, sisters, significant others, editors, you know, like that. If you're on the mailing list as a fan, you are exactly the kind of person who should be writing a review of a book by that author that you've read. So I'm, I'm going to be educating my mailing list, and I'm going to be reaching out directly to the people who said that they, you know, only rarely or never or sometimes write an Amazon review. Because reviews are so very important to an author's success. Reviews are social proof. Reviews tell other potential readers, ah, somebody cared enough about this book to read it and contribute their opinion. That's how strongly it made someone feel. Whether positively or negatively, if you write a review, you're saying something about that book beyond it sucked or it was awesome. And Amazon, from a purely technical standpoint, looks at the number of reviews anything has on their platform, and that is one of the factors that they, the algorithm uses to determine how high up in the ranks that book actually appears when someone searches for it. Now, I'm not talking about where it appears in the charts, just you know, what page is it going to be on? How often is it going to show up in the, in the related titles when someone does a search? That kind of thing. So reviews are, <laughs> they're so important. And it, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't need the survey to know that my readers were not writing reviews, but this is entirely on me. I need to educate my community of friends and fans, on just how important review writing is. It, you know, not to put too strong a point on it, but basically, if they love me, 
I hope that they will write reviews. <laughs> so I have work to do there. Indeed. I asked how often people bought a book thanks to a paid or sponsored advertisement, and 80%, almost 82% said uh, they had not. That's interesting, right? What I should have asked is, how do you hear about books? So that was a missed opportunity, and maybe I'll follow up with that uh, with the people who, uh, who actually said no. So then I asked, my sp per title that I've released, my catalog, whether they had read or reviewed the books. So bear with me, you're being very patient about going through all these points. And believe me, I'm not covering every single question in the survey, just the things that really kind of stood out for me. So of the people surveyed, and again, there's going to be some overlap, so don't expect this all to come up to 100% or add up to 22. Of the people surveyed, 18 of the 22 read Brave Men Run. Now, that's my first novel. It's my most popular work. Uh, if, if I sell anything on a month-to-month -month basis, it's going to be Brave Men Run to, uh, to new people. So that's not a surprise, you know. Um, 18 have read only four have reviewed it. The next most read title of mine, my latest novel, Light of the Outsider, that came out last year. Ten of the 22 read it. Ten people read it. That's awesome. I love that. Only two of them reviewed it on Amazon. Now, I have ten, uh, sorry, nine, count them, nine <laughs> reviews on Amazon for Light of the Outsider. So two of those came from the 22 people who are the most dedicated of my friends and fans on my mailing list. But that means there's eight people on the mailing list who are among my most dedicated friends and fans who have read Light of the Outsider, but not reviewed it. Again, I have some educating to do. I have a responsibility to communicate this priority in a better and more effective way because I am not getting it across to people. And the read review thing, it continues uh, just like that. Of my other titles, Pilgrimage, the follow-up to Brave Men Run, six people read it, one person reviewed it. And this is, you know, I, I'm going to be honest, this is a long-standing kind of point of disappointment for me. Pilgrimage... <laughs> Pilgrimage is a really good book. <laughs> it all those people who loved Brave Men Run, so very few of them went on to read the actual literal follow-up sequel to Brave Men Run. And here among these 22 people, only 6 have read Pilgrimage. Less than half of the people who read Brave Men Run. I, I honestly, I don't get it. Is it because it was, Pilgrimage wasn't available as a free podcast? Perhaps. The rest of my stuff, the short stories, the literary collection, the, uh, almost all of it, zero reviews and just a handful of actual reads my most recent work, The Perfumed Air at Kwanantag Bay, uh, three people purchased it, sorry, three people read it, 
uh, one person reviewed it. However, I have not seen the review on Amazon, so I'm not sure what's up there. I know who that person is, so I will follow up directly with them to find out, you know, maybe they need to resubmit it. Maybe they reviewed it somewhere else. Goodreads, perhaps? I don't know. So reviews are, I've got some work to do there for sure. So the next up, now I write in several different story worlds, you know, um, settings, universes, basically. Sovereign Era, the Shaper's World, Daikaiju Universe, the Protector Cycle. And then, of course, there are my sort of non-genre, general fiction, literary works. So I asked everybody what their interest was in future works in these particular story worlds. And I wanted to know, you know, are you only interested in this one to the exclusion of all the others? Are you very interested? Are you not that interested or no opinion at all, right? The Sovereign Era story world, which is the setting for Brave Men Run and Pilgrimage and the Sovereign Era Year One and a couple of short stories. 77%, 17 people said they were very interested in the Sovereign Era story world, which if they are, then I, I there should also be 17 people who have read every single one of the books of the titles in the Sovereign Era story world, but that doesn't add up. So they're very interested, but not enough to actually purchase the books. One person wrote that they're only interested in the Sovereign Era story world, and that's, uh, well, we're going to have to talk about that in a little bit. So, but 77%. They're very interested in the Sovereign Era story world. In the Shaper's World story world, 45% had no opinion about it. They could take it or leave it. That's very close to half of the, the people who uh, responded. 40% uh, very interested. So great, great. And 13.6% not that interested. Uh, so kind of split between people who could care less, could care more <laughs> about the Shaper's world, and people who are very interested. So I'm clinging <laughs> to those people who are very interested uh, on the Shaper's world. And I'll talk about that why in uh, a, a little bit. Now, the rest of these, it, it is interesting because I only have you know, basically one title in each of these other story worlds. The Protector Cycle, for which I have the short story Cloak. Um, 54.5 are, uh, have no opinion about it. Not a surprise. Again, only one title, 22% very interested in seeing, uh, future protector cycle works. Daikaiju universe, which I have one short story, Reggie versus Kaiju storm chimera wolf. Most people have no opinion about it. Not that interested in giant monsters, which is what that story world's all about. Um, however, 31%, almost 32, very interested. Okay. My literary works, <laughs> as many people who are very interested in the sovereign era have no opinion at all about the literary works. I'm going to take a moment to, to digress a little bit on this. This is what's interesting to me. Okay. My fiction, at least I strive in my fiction 
to write stories about characters, character growth, the challenges of being human. Now, there might, in some stories, be all these sort of science fictional or fantastic trappings, but when you get right down to it, it's flawed, hopefully interesting people in challenging situations that oftentimes could be uh, sort of genre agnostic, right? The problems they have are problems that we all have. So, in a sense, Everything I write is literary, or at least that's the aspiration. So I'm not sure that, again, this is on me. It's on my shoulders to convince people that if they loved the story of the high school kid with his first girlfriend trying to figure out how to get along with the school bully and find out more about his dad and his own. Uh, origins, if they liked that story, which of course is Brave Men Run, then they would also love the story about the guy who's a spy suddenly presented with this impossible lady or the tiger choice with lives at stake and uh, forcing himself to, to make the choice between the person he loves most in the world, and doing a really horrific thing. That is just one of the characters in Light of the Outsider. So, you'll notice I didn't really attach any kind of genre descriptors when I told you about those things. I didn't mention that the kid in Brave Men Run basically has kind of low-level superpowers. I didn't mention that the character in Light of the Outsider is uh, having to go up against basically very powerful, mysterious magic users. <laughs> That's just the clothing that, that these stories wear, right? Anyway, you can probably hear it in my voice. It's a little frustrating that, well, what's frustrating is that I'm not reaching the people. I, I have a saying that I make the kinds of things that people who like the kinds of things I make, like. <laughs> or a little more simply put, I make things for people who like the kind of stuff I make. Problem is, I'm not reaching those people. Those people are not in my community of friends and fans. So it's not that I have a problem with the people who are in my community. The people who are most interested or would be most interested in what I'm doing are not in my community. And that, fixing that, changing that, putting energy into changing and fixing that is my responsibility and my challenge. And I suspected this, but looking at the results of the survey, really confirming it. Okay. So let's move on. As you know, because you're listening to this, aren't you? <laughs> I have a podcast <laughs> called Sonatotum. 72% of respondents say they were aware of that fact. 64% said they listened to it. So that's nice. Okay. Every once in a great while, I'll write an article on my blog called Scribtotum. 
63% were aware of this fact. 64% say they read those articles. So that's nice too. Um, I give away free weekly serial fiction to everyone who subscribes to my mailing list. Everyone who becomes a member of the community of friends and fans, they get weekly serial fiction called Hazy Days and Cloudy Nights, How It All Got Started. So 45% of those surveyed actually read um, those installments, which is pretty cool. However, Hazy Days and Cloudy Nights is a sovereign era story. And I am not focused on the sovereign era now or for the foreseeable future. So again, what I'm what I'm doing with my community is not aligned with what I'm doing as a commercial active creator. I got to look at that. That's a larger subject for for maybe a different day. Um but yeah, the theme of 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 the the survey is misaligned <laughs> as in I am misaligned or my community is misaligned with with what I'm doing. And again, I don't want to get rid of my community, especially these 22 people who are awesome. But I need another 22. I need another 222. I need 2,000 people who are actually into what I'm doing and have the wherewithal and the initiative and uh, to quite literally support that through purchases and reviews of the work. Some of the uh, other questions, the last four questions, give or take, have more to do with, uh, they're more general, kind of a grab bag. So first of all, I'm planning a, uh, a newsletter called Your Commonplace, and it's, it's directed for writers and aspiring writers and authors it's full of interesting facts and thought-provoking items and empathy-tickling items that I'm not trying to give people ideas for stories. I'm trying to sort of give them a little soul coal for their creative engine. You know, you can read these things that I present in your commonplace and do with them as you will. I have not launched your commonplace just yet. I am gearing up for it. It'll be, it'll be coming out in sort of a pilot period later on this month. But at the end of April, when this survey came out, I wanted to see what my survey respondents might show as a level of interest for this. And, you know, about 30% said they're not at all interested, which is interesting because 64% of people who responded are writers of the people who claim to be creative or call themselves creative of those 22 people 72% say yes we are we are creative uh, th those people who responded 72% say we're creative and of those 72% 64 of those people 64% of those people are writers so that comes down to basically 11 of the 22 people are writers of some kind, but when asked if they're interested in your commonplace, 18%, four people said they're interested, but they wouldn't pay for it. 
Four people said they don't have an opinion until they see it. Seven people said they're somewhat interested. Um, one person said they were interested, but it's too expensive. By the way, I'm planning on, on the base price will be $5 per month for weekly email newsletters. And six people said not at all interested. So I'll have more about your commonplace maybe in the next episode. But I think I may not get a whole lot of bite from my existing community of friends and fans, but I think it's a viable concept. And, you know, that's kind of the theme of this survey. I'm not getting a whole big bite from my current community. The lesson there is add more people to the community who are more tightly aligned with what I'm doing. So there it is. Those are the high points of this survey. And, you know, I have to admit, it, it's, it's kind of all thrown me for a little bit of a loop. I, I am not surprised by any of this, but I am faced with it in black and white is a bit daunting because now I have to make changes. Now I have to put work in and, and make decisions and make choices about what I do and what I put my energy into. Here's something that's not going to change. I'm committed to the big plan. Writing a Shaper's World novel every year, basically between last year and when I turn 60, and building that particular creative franchise. So if I'm committed to that, why is it that the thing I'm giving away on my mailing list is a serial that has nothing to do with the Shaper's world? You know, that's, that's one of the big ones. Why am I paying for ads on Amazon that advertise the Sovereign Era titles? Why aren't I putting all that money into advertising Light of the Outsider or the perfumed air at Kwan and Tag Bay? Hmm? I, it's daunting. You know, I, I, am, I am back. In fact, you know what? This is, I think, <laughs> this is kind of, kind of at the core of it or part of the core of it. When I came out of the gate with Brave Men Run, 